and take the scripture reading for this morning. And it is found in Luke chapter 14. Verses 16 to 24. Luke 14, 16 to 24. Jesus gave a parable of the great banquet. I read. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes, and make them come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. And may the Lord have his blessings to the reading and the hearing of his word. God is good. And all the time, indeed, it's always a joy to be in the presence of God. Thank you, choir. Can we show some appreciation to the Lord for their time and ministry? We are grateful to the Lord for enabling us to be in his presence. <laughs> May is also ended. Uh, it's incredible. But God is still on his throne. So welcome from far and near. Brother Henry... Welcome from the U.S. of A, Atlanta. We acknowledge you and others who I may not have seen, who have been gone for a while. Welcome from wherever you've been. It's our joy. The lady here, I'm trying to recognize who you are, but I know you are somebody. Are you the one? I was telling your brother, ask asked him whether that's the sister. He said yes. Oh, so that's your brother. Oh, that's auntie Caro number two, so you can tell. Me, I'm talking about your sister, not you. Where Tashi? Ah, oh, she's your sister. I know, I know. Uh -huh. She came to replace your mother, Ona. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. 
Today we will be looking at scripture. We'll be studying as usual, but to take a very basic dimension to look at some of the basics in the light of discipleship. We assume a lot of things as pastors, but sometimes we, have, we just have to go back to the basics. And the basics sometimes can be so boring, so basic, that you assume everybody knows it. And yet, they may not. So, to speak Ghanaian English, to make assurance double sure, I'll take part of this Sunday morning to go through some basic things. I've asked that all of you should be giving a tract. If you don't have a tract, raise your hand. If you have it, if you don't have it, if you, we, I'm sure we don't have enough, but if you have the fire, I go tract somewhere and you didn't bring it, of course, we didn't ask you to bring it. Then an Operation Andrew card. We also, if we don't have enough, somebody has it near you. They say Corona time, we don't share, but sanctify it in the blood of Jesus and show it to the person so that they can look at it from afar. And the kind of things that this Corona is uh, helping us to do or not to do. All right, is there anyone else who needs it? So keep it with the ushers when somebody is coming, the choristers. All right. Then later I'll be asking a lady to give us, uh, a member to give us a testimony of leading a person to Christ. Today, as we continue our series in looking at our quarterly emphasis, the last Sunday of this quarter, discipleship, it is not as if when we finish that, then it means we are finished, but just emphasizing quarterly a different theme, a different angle of looking at the bigger theme of living, living by the Spirit. Because if you want to be a vibrant church, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations, if our desire is to equip our people so that they'll be ready for the coming of the King, then we must be sure that certain things we are doing are such that it can engage us, we teach, we practice it, and are ready for the coming of the Lord. Let us pray. What a good God you are. What a loving Father you are. You gather us in your presence again that we may hear your word and live your word. I submit myself to you that you use me, that you fill us with your spirit that will not be hearers of the word only, but doers as well. In Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name we pray. Amen. The title of the message, if I will title it, Loving Jesus and Sharing His Love. Loving Him and Sharing His Love. I can confidently say this is the basic, basic, basic essence of Christianity. Loving Him and Sharing His Love. That's our basic understanding and our basic duty. And one of the biggest challenges or the challenge that we have of Christianity today is that we are not committed to Jesus Christ to the extent of showing our love, let alone sharing, sharing his love with others. Those who read Latin, they tell us, nemo dat quod nam habet. You cannot give somebody what you do not have, or if you don't have it, you can't give it to anybody. If you truly have it, 
have the Lord as your Lord and Savior, you love him, then you must be willing to share his love. And Romans chapter 12 verse 1 reminds us that it is one of the basic things. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. You are not dead, you are living. It means some of the sacrifices you'll be making, they'll be paining you. When you take that 50% or that $5,000 to give to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm giving it because I've heard your voice. When you have a need and you see somebody, he said, I must pay that person's school fees. Lord, I hear you. When somebody has told all the lies about you and you know it, and you are just about to take the pen and reply, and the Holy Spirit says, stop. So, mm, 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 mm. Say, wow, Lord. When you feel like cursing that person, when people are counting, do this, do this, do this. And say, yeah, I'll do it. And the car comes, let's go. Let's go and consult the mama, uh, malam. Let's eliminate this. Say, no. That's a living sacrifice. You are acting contrary to your flesh. So he says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because all he has done, because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So because of him, because of the prompting of his spirit, things that your flesh wants to do, you don't do them. But the thing that even your flesh does not want to do, because he says you should do them, you do them. I was talking to a preacher, he sent me a note, and I was looking at the topic, he said, you see, it is difficult for us as human beings to be committed, because there are certain things that have become so common in life. If you don't like your job, stop doing it. If you don't like your church, change it, go to another one. If you don't like, if you don't want to go to work today, call and say, you are sick. And the way you are coughing, it sounds, it's, uh, you don't have to finish the sentence. Your boss or anybody listening can, can deduce what you want to say. Uh, say, the way I'm feeling today. <laughs> say, oh, what, what, what? Please, please, please stay. Stay as long as you want to stay. Stay as long as, yeah, that's the spirit of the age. You give an excuse and you stay. If you don't have any conscience, you stay. At the end of the month, you go and collect your salary for doing nothing. So in many of our lives as individuals, as churches, even as disciples of Christ, we are so casual about many things. If you don't like your, sp your spouse, divorce them. After all, there's another man, another woman coming. As one lady told us when we were students, it is a child that you need, not the husband. What's the use of a husband after you've had a child? If it's a man, there are other people who can do it. So she said, I'll finish. Two children from a man, that, the rest, I'll take care of them myself. That's the world in which you live. It is the world the Lord calls you and say, love me and share my love. Let's take even Calvary. Let's come down to the basic. Oh, does it cost you anything? Yeah, it does cost you. Sunday morning attendance. I'm exaggerating. Maybe 500. Do we have 500? We don't. All right. So let's take what we have here. It's the maximum. It may fill. Then you take... Tuesday, when we have fellowships, men fellowship, women's fellowship, all kinds of fellowship, what's the attendance? 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. All right. Wednesday prayer meeting. How many do you say was there last Sunday? Uh, last Wednesday? 35. 35. So from, from 500 that I'm exaggerating, it's coming down, it's coming down. 
Thursday, restoration power hour. So if you don't like the night, the day is possible. That one is what? Twelve disciples. Okay. Now, you come down to Bible study online. Lord, have mercy. I thought they said it was easy. I checked online on Friday. Friday. Twelve people. I said, hey, Lord, loving Jesus and sharing his love. Do we love him enough to show our commitment? I just want to share simply today the lesson that take away is this. Total commitment is a decision of the will to the point where you override yourself, your nay self, to do what God has called you to do. So simply, we'll be looking at two things today. What loving the Lord Jesus Christ is all about and what sharing his love is about. Loving Jesus and sharing. What does he entail to love Jesus Christ? He is the one who said it himself. Now, some of the things Jesus said, say, if you don't love me, you love me. More than father, mother, wife, children, you are not fit to be my disciple. Some say, how can Jesus say those things? When you read it, what Jesus was quoting actually was Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. How do you do that? So, your mind. All you are thinking about is Jesus 24-7, your soul, Jesus 24-7. What does it mean? Well, for the sake of uh, just doing a little bit of Bible study and language study, there are things that are in our languages, we call them parables, proverbs, figures of speech. And one of the figures of speech Jews use a lot is called hyperbole, or for the sake of uh, whatever, hyperbole. Hyperbole is an overstatement that exaggerates a particular condition for emphasis. You exaggerate something so that you emphasize something. Now, it doesn't mean that what you are saying is literally true. So if somebody says, I am so hungry that I can eat a horse. Now, which type of horse will you eat? Baby horse. No matter how hungry you are, you are not able to eat a baby horse. You can't do it. Okay? So some people read the Bible and they have a problem. Jesus says, you must hate me. You must... You must hate your mother, hate your father. What type of Lord is this that I must follow? It's hyperbole. If somebody said, I wept all night and my pillow is wet. Yes, it's true. Your pillow may be wet, but you cannot drown in your room. It's hyperbole. What is Jesus saying here? Love the Lord your God. Love him. So that loving others will look as if it's hatred. He was saying this in the context where the kingdom is, the he is heaven. The Lord has laid a table and he has called people, come and let's eat. Come, let's dine. Let me feed you. The first one said, hey, Lord, I'm glad you have called me. But you see, I've bought land and I am going to examine it. Really? Come for dinner the land you bought at whatever time you bought it. it it's now that you are going to examine it in the, in the darkness. With what? Stage light? Flood light? Security light? Or what? 
He called another one. Oh, please. Uh, marriage. My bride. We are going on honeymoon. If you read those examples, he's exaggerating for effect for you to know that, you see, some of the excuses you give, when you sit back today and you try to analyze, is it ridiculous for somebody to go and examine his car or his office or his house, his land in the night? Just compare to the excuse you and I give for the things we don't do for the Lord. When the Bible is being written again, it is your excuse that they will give. Oh, I have a very severe headache. Sunday is the only day I can actually wash and sleep 10 hours. You know the excuse you give. So you give all those excuses. And he's saying, if you do not love me more than these things, then you are truly not in love with me. Or compared to the love, when we were growing up, they used to sing a certain song. I sang it a few times. 20 miles is a long, long way, but I walk to see my baby every day. Now, don't, don't laugh at me till my age. Those who say they are in love, things they do for love. Things they do for love. The money they spent on Valentine, what they do to show that they love. Jesus said, you do all of these things. And if you truly say you love me, then show it. Show it. Your love must be total so that others will seem less. Let me direct you. Don't force it. Let it come as your second nature. Choose me. If I'll be a bit personal, when some of us were called into the ministry, I have an uncle, he just came and looked at me and said, are you sick? I said, why? Say, even Jesus, I've shared it before, but because it's true, let me share my. Say, even Jesus doesn't get people with a sense like you to serve him. So for you to be serving him is to his credit. And for you to actually say that you are going to serve him full time, I think there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I look at him. He was the richest man I knew, at least the richest man in my family, saying to me that I am sick. And, he, and the worst part of it was when he found me riding a motorbike one day with my wife on it. He said, when it happens, don't call me. This your Jesus, when it happens, don't call me. I said, like what? Say, you won't sit on the bike and you put somebody's daughter behind you. Don't call me. I said, nothing will happen in Jesus' name. And nothing has happened in Jesus' name. And later on, he himself died and I buried him in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm saying that pressure can be put on you in such a way that if even you want to love the Lord totally, some people can make you look foolish. And depending on who they are, how they influence you and the status in life. Because your mother can stop you. Your father can stop you. Your uncle can stop you. They can cry and say, look, why, why do you want to do that? They can do that. So it's a delicate balance that the Lord is asking you. How do you handle that? That they do not think that this, your Lord, is my devil. Your God is so wicked. How do you navigate that? How do you have that conversation? That you give priority to the Lord, and yet your family do not see you as a wicked person who has betrayed them. Because some of us, in the fulfillment of this, follow the Lord totally, have abandoned our family responsibilities. Nothing to do with our parents, particularly when they are old and they have become witches and wizards. 
nothing to do with our home, nothing to do with our responsibilities, nothing to do with taking care of our children. That is not what the Lord is, is saying. Because the same Bible says, if you refuse to take care of your family, you are worse than an unbeliever. So taking care of totally. Hyperbole is an exaggeration. Think. When a wise man talks to you, think. And when he talks to you, you don't understand it. Live by the Spirit. Ask the Spirit. Interpret. Translate this for me. How does it apply in this? But one thing is sure. Secondly, to follow him, we must bear our cross. Jesus was about to bear a cross for his disciples. And for you and I, we know he has borne the cross for us. But we must also bear our cross. And brothers and sisters, bearing the cross is more than just words. It's just more than the cross you put on your neck or the rosary you put in your car to show that you are a Christian, whatever your religion is. Bearing the cross is more than just a temporary inconvenience. What is the cross for? It was for crucifying. Putting one person to death or putting somebody to death. And you carry that cross yourself. And so let me suggest to you, in Luke, in Luke chapter 9 verse 23, when he was saying carry the cross. But in Galatians 2.20, Paul said something which happens to be one of my own life verses. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how Paul saw himself, that he's willing to give his all to Jesus, even if it includes death. Let me not dampen your spirit I just give you an information and how this person illustrated this. I am sad or I rejoice or to share, as they say in the, on the posters, God has called to glory Deacon Elder Bob Shill, the one who is behind some of the enhancement and the embellishment of this facility, the compound, and all the designs put together. Now, he's resting in peace. So between myself and uh, Dr. Charles Sebois, who, who was the main person to bring him to Ghana, and we, Calvary became a back pass, and Chile became an offshoot. Uh, we worked with him. So the, the three groups will be represented by uh, Brother Chile at his funeral in Phoenix, Arizona. One day Bob stood and he was telling me, the wife was standing there. He said, Fred, I'm having all kinds of problems. I've just had a bypass. And I want to tell you this. If I die here, and my wife is here, please put me in the cheapest box you can find to the cheapest cemetery somewhere and bury me. Because by that time, I would already be in heaven. So I looked at him and I said, what is that about? He said, I'm just telling you that you should hear it. So I heard it. Some comments, when people make them, you don't say anything. But you hear it, you file it. 2016 or 17, I spent some time with him doing some consultation and designs. 
And as we're out in the sun walking, it was so hot. If you think Ghana is hot, I guarantee you have not been to some hot parts of the world. I happened to step on the quota by mistake in Phoenix, Arizona, about one o'clock in the afternoon. I ran back. I said, what is it? I said, Bob, my leg is burning. And he came and took ice block and honey and massaged under my foot. He said, we don't do that here. You see that nobody is outside. But he decided to go and take care of his own lawn and garden. So I followed him. And after a while, the man was just, I was just watching the man going down, down. And then he, I said, what's happening? And I held, held him and he sat on the chair. So I said, what happened? He said, my leg has just become like jelly. It happens to me often. I said, what is the meaning of that? He said, well, I can't explain it all to you, but I live with it, and uh, it hasn't taken me away yet. <laughs> so the wife came back. What is wrong? What is wrong? Quickly, she packed some ice block, put on her head, and this, that, that, that. Then the wife said, Fred, do you now see why I don't want Bob to come back to Africa? And I said, yes. Uh, is this what happens to him? He said, yeah, this is what happens to him once in a while. So is that why he said what he said? He said, yes. He's prepared to die anywhere. And I said, okay, now let's have a family conference. Bob, I agree with your wife. You not, if you are my father and you are, and you tell me this, that anywhere you die, they should bury the nearest cemetery, I will not even permit you to live here and go there. Because you can still be at post and do the work of God through consultation. You don't have to be there physically. Well, cut a long story short. At least he lived for five more years. After Easter, he gave glory to God, and the Lord has called him home. Why, why, why does this come in? You see, it's not how you live, but the legacy you leave behind. How you carry the cross, that there are things that are difficulties in your life. But your commitment to God. I was standing with this one, I said, Fred, let's go and see my disciple. I said, your disciple is here. He drove me three miles to go and see a boy, a young man that he has Bible study with. And I just shook my head. I said, wow. The Lord carried his cross for us. So when he says you must bear your cross, you may have limitations. You may have challenges. Some of them may be physical or be medical or whatever it is. Because he's your Lord and he hasn't called you home yet, whatever you can do, you must continue to do it until time is out. And that is why when an apostle like Paul was locked in prison, even though he could not go anywhere, he could pray in prison and ride from prison. May the Lord impact you to know that when you love God, you are willing to share the love of Christ no matter where we are. But the reason why many of us are not af are afraid to share is that we are married to the world. They will laugh at you. They will mock at you. They will say you are this, you are that, you are that. So Paul said, because of my imprisonment. Everybody, every soldier who has come on that shift has heard why I'm in chain. 
And even though I could not go to Caesar's palace, I could not go to the presidential lodge, I could not go to the castle, I could not go to Jubilee House, everybody in that Jubilee House now knows Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Loving him and sharing him. May we live as disciples of Jesus. Hallelujah. We must bear our cross. The cross is not your wife. The cross is not your husband. The cross is not whatever. Even if it's your wife or your husband, it means even they must produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You see, the cross is crucifying the old person that Christ might live through you, according to Matthew 10, 39. If even you say that your husband is your cross, when he annoys you, say, Lord, this is my cross. Help me bear it by forgiving him. If your wife is that person, help me to love. If your husband is, I'm not talking about beating, but just some, some provocation. Look at it and think through. And let the Lord say, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. There are things we do in the name of Christ and things we do not do in the name of Christ. So that's the second one, carry your cross. The third thing is that we must beware of the world, the world in which we live. Already, John, Jesus had told us in John 8, 44, I mean, you are of the father, the devil. It shouldn't surprise you and I to know that the world is ruled by the devil. And some of the things that happen in this world, there's no simple logic behind it. The biggest thing that keeps Christians from being totally committed to Christ is forsaking all that they have and all that we want. I've said it before, it is not what we have or what we want that is the issue. It is how we see them. Jesus was a master of exaggeration, hyperbole. Look at what Jesus said. Here it is. What shall it profit a man if he gain what? The whole what? The whole, the whole what? The whole earth or world. The whole world. What did Jesus say? He didn't say, what shall it profit you if you gain the whole of Shashi? If you have the whole of money? If you have the whole of Ghana? What shall it profit you if you gain the whole world? <laughs> or the whole earth with all the planets? If you gain all of them? And now, think about it. You gain everything. The cars, the minerals, the houses, the Dubais, the uh, uh, Koreas. You gain all of them. You are the owner of all. Which means all the Bill Gates and all the Jeff Bezos and all, the, all of them, they are all your slaves. You, you own more than all of these people. That's Jesus. So. And you lose your soul. Now, is it possible to gain this whole world? No. He said, if even you get it and you lose your soul, what have you gained? Nothing. So which one should be your priority? Your soul. That is Jesus talking. He's been quoted more than anybody in this world. Unfortunately, familiarity breeds contempt. We hear, yeah, tia, 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 so we don't think that it's anything. And so the world still has ways of enticing us to tell the truth. No, you go to prison. To tell a lie, you'll get the promotion. To collect a bribe, you'll get it today. To say this, no, you'll be poor. I'm not saying I don't have those struggles. We do. But the Lord is calling us that when we say we love him, we must beware of this world. 
Just like Jesus wants disciples to send to do his bidding, the devil is also actively recruiting people. And that's why in this world, we have only 30 or 40% following Jesus Christ, and the rest are following all the other things that are in the world. May the Lord quicken our hearts today to know that we must love him and love him totally. And the amazing thing is that it is he who can help us to love him totally by drawing our attention to these things. So we recommit ourselves to him, rededicate our lives to him. If we don't remind you of these things and we all oh, you come to churches, ah, yeah, result, result. I see, I received the car, I received the house, I received the wife, I received the children, I received them. We can lead you to receive all those things and you will truly receive them. Then the Lord will tell me, Fred, Dora, Kinsley, preachers, Kiki, what useless preachers were you? Didn't you hear in my word that what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Look, they have gone there to the devil. You to join them and be their headmaster there in hell. And I said, oh, I don't want that judgment on me. Neither do I want the Lord to say that to you. So, basic, 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 what tia, 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 I'm reminding you again today. You make a decision to live for him and to love him totally, even if it's hyperbole. You see, if you aim high, as my bishop used to say, aim high, aim high to please the Lord totally. And when you fall, you fall on top of a building. But if you have no standards, that I'll read my word every day. I'll read the Bible throughout the year. Those who are doing the Bible study, where have they come to? I'll witness to somebody. I'll do this. If you have no such standards, you're not showing your love enough. Second part, how do you share the love of God? So it is good to know him and to love him. If it's true that you know him and you love him, just like when you go and buy some watches, I mean, I, I just, sometimes I'm driving, I just stop, and I see three or four watches sellers. One has a very long queue. Why? Is it, is it not rice or beans? Normally, when I used to buy those things by the roadside, when it's a long queue, I go for the short one, because at the end of the day, I don't want to spend five or ten minutes buying some special watches after it's rice and beans. And I want only one CD worth of it. So, anyway. But why do people go, oh, this is the best watch in town. This is the best. This is the best. People telling people about what they love. Evangelism is defined again as one hungry man telling another hungry man where he found food to eat. Or one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. Simple. Seven proven methods that can help you not only to love him, but how to share him. Seven proven methods to be an effective soul winner. So many have adapted it, but I think this particular one, summary is adapted from David Jeremiah's. One, I've asked that I should be given two forms today, and I'll go through that with you. First, ask God to give you an evangelistic burden for others. It is his world. Friends, sometimes uh, <laughs> one of my orthodox friends asked me a question. He said, Fred, why are we so concerned about these other religions that want to capture our country? 
And I said, we must be concerned. He said, how should we be concerned? I kept quiet. He said, you know, and hear me, Christianity and Islam are the two fiercest missionary religions of the world. They are fierce, fighting for their cause. About two months ago, when I showed the graph, you saw where Judaism is, is the last in terms of numbers of disciples. So they are the fiercest. Christians want to make disciples for Christ, and Muslims want to make disciples for whoever they want to make it for. So if you are competing, it's like Oli and Hajj. You do not necessarily go to the top by insulting somebody. No, you don't. So sometimes we waste our time and our energy, and sometimes in talking, 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 we talk. I remember I was in Christian Council, and because we liked sometimes publicity or unnecessary publicity, there was this church, they were going to share all their strategies at their annual session. They were sharing, sharing, sharing. I kept pushing the bishop, please, 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 can you keep this for your congregation? He kept on talking, 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 so the press... So when he finished, I called one of the pressmen. Charlie, come here. Uh, I called his name. Then the bishop's eye opened widely. I said, so, uh, I hear you are leaving this afternoon. Where are you going? He said, I'm going to the mosque. And the bishop put his hand on his head. I said, did you capture everything? He said, I've captured everything. Pe -pe -pe. What do I mean? All the strategy that we're saying, how we should hate people and do this, was captured. Who gave it to him? We. Casting your pearl before swine. So what I'm saying is, these are world religions. And Jesus knew. So when he came, he did not waste his time in fighting some of these useless battles. But he had a method. Instead of following the method of the Lord and asking him to empower us, to give us wisdom, we go and find all kinds of uh, marketing technique and uh, Al-Qaeda technique and all kinds of things. Let me share with you. The burden. Let the Lord give you an evangelistic burden for others. We just went through 30 days of prayer for Muslims and all these things. Now, simply, it means who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? What situation has the Lord put on your heart? Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send the workers, laborers. And so a simple card like this. What I'm showing you are example. Example. You have a prayer notebook. You have a simple card like Operation Andrew card, just one of those things, where you have a list of people you are praying for and praying with. You are doing that. Ask him to lay somebody on your heart and invest prayer. So that person that you think he, he, he needs to go to hell or he's confusing you, instead of talking, talking, talking about it, pray, 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 pray on his head, pray on the, and till the Lord does something about it. That is what the Lord asks us to do. When he sent the 70 or the 72, this, he was preaching in Galilee. Now he said, the work is plenty. These are the people who must go to Judea, two by two, and go and witness to them. Apprentice, no number, but he sent them. And they went and they saw results. So one, ask God to give you that. Can you take this card? Look at it yourself. It is yours. If you don't have it, you can have your own notebook if you have your method already. Fine, but ask God to give you a burden. And the strongest mind is not as good as the weakest pencil. Put it down somewhere. Number two, 
Step two, live a consistent Christian life before people, before the world. Our greatest weapon, prayer, I grant, but it's your life. It's my life. Whether my yes is yes or my no is no. And whether people can see that I'm living for Jesus Christ. What did he say in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14? You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men and women that they will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are like a light put on a city. Don't hide it. That's what Jesus told us. So let that person you are praying for and others see your life. You don't live like a, a saint on, on Sunday, come to church and sing in the choir and usher and do all these things in self-communion. And then as soon as you live here, you are the practicing devil, hell angel, number one. And everybody in your neighborhood knows you as Kalabule. Or they, they, what does it do before you? What does it do? The message is not contaminated by you, the vessel. You have contaminated it. When you go to a place, they give you water to drink. You saw somebody putting water. It came from pure, how do we call it? Pure water. Eh? Yeah, pure water. And they gave it to you on a glass full of palm oil and those things and yokegare on it. Say, Please get it. Unless you are dying from starvation or from famine, you will not drink it. Nothing wrong with the water. You saw where it came from. Let our vessel give honor to God. That is Jesus' method. Hello, are you with me? We are finding our own methods. I'm telling you what the Lord told us, the effective one. So, as some will say, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Let our life preach it. Number three, build bridges to others. When the Lord shows you those needing Christ, seek to build a relationship with them. It's been found that the greatest way to connect to people is to show that you are their friend. Oh, can we talk? Can we meet after church? Can we, where do you live? I'll come back to that later on. You see, build bridges. Some of us say we don't have friends. And I ask you, whose friend are you? You don't like anybody. Why should somebody like you? Eh? What is your name? Christian. What's, the name? Full, uh, what's your name, Chris? Full name, Christopher. Okay, that's fine. That's your name. Where do you live? Oh, yeah. Why don't you go and say, I'm called Fred? Or Frederick? What's your name? May I know your name? Polite. Being polite, building bridges to others doesn't hurt. So seek to be friends with people. Don't be looking for statistics. I want 20 souls to the Lord. Yeah, get, 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 get. No, no, no. I was, uh, when I was in seminary, I was teaching my students evangelism. So we went somewhere to do a crusade. And one of the students preached. And nobody really came. So one of these smart students said, all those who want to receive whatever is in my hand, come. So they came. Then he had a tract. Yes. Hey, you get it. They said, hey, count. Anybody who takes it, count. Take one. Take two, take three, take four, take five, clap for the Lord, take six, take seven, take eight, take nine, take ten. <laughs> so we went back to school. I said, so what do you think you were doing? So, oh, but you see, we had to live in the atmosphere. 
It's not like that. The Lord help us. Number four. Now, learn the gospel. There are some, <laughs> there's a humorous account in the Bible I will not go to it. <laughs> there was a battle, and they were going to send somebody to tell the king what the result of the battle is. And somebody said, I can run, I he must. And he ran. And when he got there, he said, what is the message? He said, uh, I just saw some commotion, the way they were shouting. I think there's victory. Then he saw another man coming, he said, this other man coming may have a message. Give the message. There are some of us who run, who go, but we do not have a message. That is why we devise a simple track. It's not the only way of leading people to Christ. There are so many ways of leading people to Christ. But it is good for you to master a simple tool that you can use. What did I say? To master a simple tool that you can use. A fitter may use a screwdriver. Electrician may use a screwdriver. Anybody who does some job has some tools that they use. Some of us, we don't have anything to share. Oh, come to Jesus, come, to, come and do what? And then we are stuck, we are lost. Or even somebody comes to you, what are you going to share with them? Learn the gospel, and that's the track we are giving you. You, let's go to the next one, then I'll come back to it. Number five, watch for openings to share a word for Christ. Watch for the opening. As you are praying for people on the list, as your heart is tuned towards leading people to Christ or to discipleship, the Lord will direct your attention to something. For instance, yesterday, I was looking at a certain name, going to call a lady. Then I saw this other one in my phone book. I don't know whether she's here or not. I won't, call, I won't embarrass her. Then I said, hey. Then I called her. Where have you been? You haven't been to church. I haven't seen in a long time. I said, Pastor, what did you call me for? I said, I just called to greet you. Now, there are openings that the Lord will give you. The person you are praying for in the office, you come to you and say, oh, Araba, these days I've been having some strange dreams. So, dreams, can you give me interpretation? Then like Joseph, me, I can't give interpretation unless the Lord, the Lord may be speaking to you. Do you have any relationship with him? Take it from there. Take it from there. Okay? Like a Muslim who came to me in Dubai. Pastor. I don't know where he thought I was a pastor. He may have seen some halo. Is it good for a Muslim to talk to a Christian about his sins? I said, the language you are using is so technical. Are you a secret disciple? He started laughing. Okay. Watch for openings to share the word of Christ. Peter said, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. They say technically, that is what we call apologetics. Be ready to give, not long, complicated ones. Now let's go to number six. Let me get back to this one. If the right opportunity doesn't come naturally, create one. Can we read it together? If the right opportunity doesn't come naturally, create one. Sometimes the opportunity comes, we don't see it. Because the devil is also busy. The man says, I am not interested. But on the track that you have, there's something that we put together called fire. Fire! Now, how many in this church don't know what fire go means? 
You're sitting here, you don't know what, what fire go means. Oh, all of you here, you know what it is. Even children, you know what it is. Raise your hand if you know what it is. You don't know. What is fire? And what is ago? Now, I was taught by a very uh, church-planting Texas cowboy. He had a very simple formula. And he said, people have been saying that you can send a horse to the riverside, but you cannot force the horse to drink. And Calgar said, that is not true. If you are a cowboy in Texas and you have to take your cow from one place through the desert to the other, and that cow and the horse, they don't have any sense to know where you are taking them to, and therefore they don't want to drink water. There are things you can do for them to drink water. Say, like what? So we have some uh, uh, spices. You just double it around the mouth of the cow and, and of the horse, and they'll drink water. They'll drink water. So it's like somebody who has gone to eat pepper or taking some cacadro. That is burning you. You'll drink and drink to cool you. Now, he was using that as an example for the kind of test that the Holy Spirit can create in people when you know, when you don't accept the status quo. So, fire ago, you've met somebody. Let me take one of them. Yeah, come. Okay, Gary, you are always a good volunteer. All right. So, fire is simple. Oh, Gary, how are you? I hope you're doing fine. I won't come near you too much because uh, you are corona compliant and let me stay away. So, how is your family? Do you have, do you have a family? I just met you. Yeah, you have a family here in Ghana? You have a family. Okay, so, all right. So, you are with your family. It's okay, okay. What, what are you interested in? What are, you, are you interested in soccer or anything? You interested in? F is family. I is any interest? Football. Eh? Chelsea. Oh, is that why you are putting on white white today? Eh? <laughs> After 10 years. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, okay, okay. Chelsea. You like Chelsea? Yes. So you've been praying for them? Yes. Okay. All right. But let me just, let me just uh, speed out the conversation. Uh, are, are you by any means uh, religious? It depends on what you mean by religion. It depends on what I mean by religion. Okay. Well, let me just ask you. Now, thank God you and I have survived corona. Yes. But assuming the corona had killed you, or, or me, uh, where would you be? Well, what would happen to you? If corona, is, you know, it took a lot of people in the world, but you're still alive. Did you, did you, did you get frightened when they were talking about corona that it might kill you? Yes, I was frightened. So, what were you going to spend? If there's eternity, what were you going to spend it? I know I was going to spend it in heaven. I'll be in heaven. I'll be you'll be in heaven. heaven? Yes. Yeah, you'll be in heaven? Yes. Uh, how are you sure that I'll be, you'll be in heaven? Because I'm a disciple of Christ. And oh. I, I, I've done my best to keep my words clean, healthy, mind and body and spirit. You are doing what? I've done well to keep myself clean, clean mind, body and spirit. Okay. Oh, so, you've done that? Yes. Okay, and you are 
Also sharing the gospel with other people. Yes, within my neighborhood sometimes. Your neighbors. Oh, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Please be seated. Now. Now, yo, listen, you saw it. Let me just try and do some analysis. You are creating an opportunity. There's this man you bumped with him in a bus stop or somewhere. Fire. Anybody who asks family, not intimidating. Oh, do you have family here? You're not asking whether he's married or the family. What family? What are his interests? He gets excited. That's giving you connection, bonding. Religious. Are you religious? You say it depends on what it means. But the E is the examination question, exam question. So I went to Corona. Now, it could be anything, but basically what you are trying to find out is whether that person is sure, whether the person is saved, whether he's sure of salvation. If between R and E, religion, and examination question, you get answers that are not convincing to you or you sense in your spirit that he hasn't got it, can we share some more? Maybe that may not be the opportunity to, to finish all, but at least you would have shown something in his heart. Now, the examination question, he said, oh, fine. I'm still trying to build a relationship with him. Oh, I thank God that you are born, you are a disciple, you know it. Maybe we can team up and share with others. Can we pray together so we have a relationship with him? So that is it. Now, Ago, what is ago? Now, that's, this thing is not a spelling mistake. The acronym is to help us just memorize something and go step by step until you lead somebody to Christ. So, since you have it, it's not a spelling mistake. Sometimes I see people trying to uh, correct it. It's not. What is the first A? It's on your paper. A is what? All people have. And what is the scripture verse? This is what they normally would call the Roman road. The Roman road is what we changed and made an acronym. And you know fire. If there's fire in the house, it was, go, let me get out, let me get out, let me get out, get out of here, there's fire, get out. That's it. That's all the concept behind fire, ago. A is what? All people, all right, with your paper. What is the first G? God's purpose. The second G, God's provision. The O, first O, our part, and the last but not the least, our prayer. With this simple path, you can engage somebody in a conversation and not lose your track of focus. We have, pray, we have taught people to pray with the beads. I said that sometimes people think the beads is a magic. There's a card that we use. So let me share the word with you. Ago. A-G-G-O-O. -O. Oh, please, can you? You can give the person the track. I'm saying we are trying to be basic so that you will not be people who are running. It comes to a point where the person must make a decision and you have no message. You have no message to share. You, have, you are a salesman who has gone to sell. You talk, 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 talk. How much is the price? I don't know. Oh, do you have the product? Uh, not yet. Don't let that be your story. But let's look at the seventh, the last one. Whatever happens, leave the result to God. I will not mention this uh, 
ultimately, when you witness to somebody the result of their, whether they accept Christ or not, comes from God. Agree? It's where sometimes we get in trouble with the other religion. Because the other religion, they may have to chop off your head and, uh, or do some other thing or slap you before you agree. No. Christ says, leave the results to God. Re leave the results to God. We are responsible for sharing the gospel. What we have just done is to be sure that the ago is the gospel that you have shared. Because if you have not shared the gospel, it's like planting a dead seed. The seed has no life in it. If you go and plant a mango seed that is dead or a corn that has been cooked and, or rice that has been cooked, you go and plant it. What, what seed is there? You don't get anything. So you are sharing the word of God based on the book of Romans. And let the person, let the word of God do the work of God in the person's heart. And God will torment the person or the spirit will draw the person's attention to it. So, Jesus can tell Nicodemus, you must be born again. What is that? I'm sure this guy kept answering, what is that? John 4, I'll give you rivers, <laughs> living water, so you won't come. What type of thing is that? And so this man, who eventually became the president of uh, a famous country, maybe it's Ghana, has been dropping the wife in church faithfully for the woman to go to church. The pastor says he sits in his window. Every time the man drops the wife, he sees the man, say, Lord, this big man, what do I tell him? What do I ask him? What do we do? So one day, as he dropped the wife, the pastor was hiding in the corner. He said, sir, thank you. Please, sir, so where do you actually spend the time after you drop your wife here? So I go to the office, I do some work. So, sir, just out of love for you. So, assuming something happens today and the world has come to an end, where will you spend eternity? So, what is eternity? Oh, you know, life here is not the end, but where will you go? So, my wife has enough for that he didn't finish the sentence. So, Pastor, we'll talk about it later on. The wife said after one month, they saw him Sunday morning, he was dressed. Where are you going? See, the pastor has asked me some questions and I can't sleep properly. Today we are going to church together. And they went together. He said, Pastor, the question you asked me is still bothering me. Can we talk? Well, if I were to mention his name, you will know it. That is how John Mahama became a Christian. I heard his pastor share this testimony and asked him, John, is it true? He said, it's true. Leaving the results to God. God works it out. It's not only applicable to President John Mahama or anybody. There are many, many, many who may not necessarily, please listen to me, who may not necessarily come forward so sometimes we don't even understand our own strategies. It's not everybody who will come forward. But let's pray that the word is locked in somebody's heart. And at the appropriate time, when the Spirit of God is struggling with that person, whether it's a phone number or a WhatsApp or this or that or a church signboard they see, they come and make that decision.
Mrs. Dora Bento, you have a testimony to share? Please, let's listen to her. Praise the Lord. Um, I want to share a testimony about what God has used a number of our church members to do in the community on evangelism. A number of us um, decided that on Sundays after church service, because it's so difficult to probably find time in doing it, we will encourage ourselves and we'll go together to the communities to go and share Christ. You said you will pair yourselves. Yes. So you we, don't go alone. No, I don't go alone. All right. Yeah. Two by so two. About three. Three by three. About three of us will meet after church service and then we'll get into one of the rooms and pray and commit what we are going to do into the hands of the Lord. And then we'll go. We'll go with a go tracks and any tracks that we get. And for people that we don't get opportunity to speak to, we will just share the tracks. And one Sunday, we went out into the kiosk here and we found some, a, a lady who was in her room. Um, when she heard us, she opened the curtain a bit and then we asked her, oh, did you go to church? And she said, no. Why? I moved in from another community to here, but since I've been here, I've not been going to church. So we asked her whether we could share the word of God with her. And she said, okay. So we decided to talk about eternal life, whether she understands what it means and how you can get it. And for most of them, they will start and say that, look, if I do all the good things and I do everything right, I'll get eternal life. So then that's where it started from. That no, you can't do good things to get eternal life. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we use, then use some of the scriptures here. All of us have sinned, the consequences of sin, what Jesus has come to do for us. And even though you know that Jesus has come to do all these things for you, it's not yours unless you open your heart and receive it for yourself and the Holy Spirit. Then you become a child of God. So we led her to receive Christ. And after that, we had a relationship. We introduced her to the church and she started coming. We had a relationship with her from time to time. We we'll go and visit her until she left this community. Yeah. And through that, we were able to support a teenage girl of hers who became pregnant. Yeah, the church supported her. Yeah, so that's the testimony. Thank you. There are many more, but we will not have the chance. Just to show you that some work is ongoing, but we can all do more. What Corona has done is that it has moved the church from this room into the community, and you are the church. And if you truly love him, love him and share the love. So the conclusion is simple. Do you love him enough to have accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Do you love him enough to have given your all to him in the three areas we've spoken about? Do you love him enough to follow these seven steps among many so that you can not only be a keeper of the word, but sharer of the word as well. May the Lord bless all the steps that we take in living with his love 
and sharing his love. Let us pray. The Lord, we join the hymn writer to say, If ever we love you, it is now. It is now because time is flying. It is now because you are in charge of everything. It is now because by our profession and confession, our lives belong to you. And we are in your hands for you to hold, lead, and guide us. Therefore, Father, take our will, take our life, and let it be consecrated to you through all the changing scenes of this life. Thank you for enabling us to come to your house for the healing, the teaching, the correction, the insight, the foresight, and all that you have done in us, body, soul, and spirit. To you alone be honor and glory. As we live here, but not your presence, we go as a scattered and empowered church. We go as your people in the blood of Jesus. Therefore, the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide in our hearts, both now and forevermore. Amen.